Welcome to episode 11 of the Mixed Sauce comic book podcast. Tonight we are celebrating the tireless, selfless efforts of one of comic book's greatest achievements. Todd McFarlane? The birthday of me. <laughs> we are recording Thursday night, May 23rd. My birthday. Happy birthday! Yay! Tonight we're going to discuss death in comic books, which isn't uh, really final at all, unless you're Aunt Uncle Ben. And we're going to talk a little, uh, little what you've been reading, but maybe not Ian, because he doesn't read anything anymore. In fairness, it's only been a couple days since our last podcast. I haven't. I'm a very busy, <laughs> busy man. I can't be tied down. Oh yeah, my name is Paul McGinty. With me are Ian Sharpley. Hello! And Matt Cassell. Happy 45th birthday, big guy. <laughs> Thanks, I'm going to let that one slide. So, um, we like to kick things off with a little Paul piece called... 27 years older than me. <sighs> then Matt is zero years old. <laughs> <laughs> Housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Do you like webcomics? Do you know what the best webcomic of all time is? Penny Arcade? And <laughs> Mixsauce.com is the best webcomic of all time. You can check us out. I don't know where you got those numbers from. <laughs> you can I don't know how you're validating that statement. It's uh, Lots of research has been done on this. Many Bothans died. <laughs> uh, you can check out our new strips every Tuesday and Friday. Uh, reviews that I sometimes review some comic books, sometimes don't. Uh, reviews come out on Mondays and Thursdays. And check out our new episodes of the podcast every Wednesday. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook. You can listen to the podcast through the iTunes Store, Stitcher Radio, Podomatic.com, all the usual suspects. Um, talk to us on Twitter at Gint underscore McSauce. Wish... Paul, happy birthday. By the time that you listen to this, though, it'll already be... It'll be 46. But... It will uh, be a week past my birthday. (laughs) But still, wish him a happy birthday next week so he can travel back in time to this magical place in his life. Uh, You can talk to me at The Sauce. And, um... We love hearing from people. We do. I really like... uh, Don't be... Don't be shy. Drop us a line. Let us know. Let us know what's up. Tell us about, uh... What kind of books you're reading? Let us know how you feel about this podcast. Would you, or would you say let us, let us know what you've been reading? Yeah, what 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 have you been reading? <laughs> and um, one day, Matt will get. You know what? Just follow Matt at Little Depressed Matt. How about that? <laughs> There's some guy out there with that already has at Little Depressed Matt. He it's is. like who the fuck are these people? <laughs> Is he really taken already? We don't know. know. But if you find him out there, podcasters, send uh, insulting uh, pictures. I should set up my Twitter handle to break. Yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, you should. Um, We also want to promote the Oaks Moonlit Matinees at the Oaks Theater on Allegheny River Boulevard in beautiful Oakmont, PA. I say, as soon as we're done with this podcast... Or maybe during during fake pizza party because we don't get pizza at ten o'clock at night. Um, we we determine that yes, we're going to see Jaws. Okay, I think that we can. Jaws will be 
July fourth in the yeah, July fifth and July sixth at ten p.m. So if anyone wants to come see Jaws with us, you let us know. We're going to be there. McSauce field trip. And uh, I believe this weekend they're going to be showing the Goonies. May twenty fourth at ten p.m. and Saturday, May twenty fifth. The Goonies. I hate that fucking movie, but I know a lot of people like it, so go and check that out. From what I can, from what I can tell, Little Depressed Matt is available. Oh, oh let's get it. Let's do it. All right. All right. During Fake Thursday, I hope nobody party. signs up for it in the next hour. <laughs> let's do it, Matt. Let's do it. You can. Do, but we'll we'll do it. We'll do it at the break. We'll do it at the break. But uh, yeah. Check us out at all those places. Talk to us at all those other places. And uh, we'll talk back to you. And it'll be fun. And uh, and now, I guess we're going to talk a little bit of uh, comic book deaths and how people die. The gruesome and grisly ways that they die. And the even worse ways that they come back. <laughs> and haunt the shit out of my wallet. Yeah, they really do. Or change your life forever in the best way possible. So where where do we want to start? Do we do we want to start with deaths 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 that have had the most deaths that have had the most <laughs> impact on my life? Deaths that have had the most impact, dumbest deaths, dumbest most deaths. egregious deaths, all of the above. Matt, what's your favorite death? Well, the biggest one was the death of Superman in 1992. Yeah. That's I, I suppose that's as good a place to start as any. It's right uh, in the start title. Right at the top. The death of Superman rocked the comic book world to its foundation. It rocked to its very pillars. It it may not have rocked the entire world as a whole, but the entire world felt its ripples. The death of Superman was featured in People magazine. Um, it was anybody everywhere. that you it was on to. the local news. Um, all of a sudden, the, uh, <clears throat> the the basement dwelling comic book geeks were allowed to be interviewed and be on television. And and boy, were those embarrassing yeah. interviews! Um, I'm so glad I wasn't of age at that time, <laughs> so I'd be he, crying on Channel Four. Because it's the not guys, fair. the guys back then that were our age now, were way less cool than we are right now. Yes, we're very cool. I'm cool. <laughs> I had a bow tie on today. That sounded like um, Luke Skywalker when he says, I don't care. I'm cool. <laughs> he had a bow tie on today? Matt did have a bow I did, tie yeah. on today. That's Blair. Yeah. I it's like not that. Blair. Uh, Paul did not like it, but everybody else seemed to. I'm not so. a big fan of the bow tie, yeah. unless you're Pee Wee Herman. Mm. I'm not Pee Wee Herman. Andre you're not. 3000 can get away with that. Yeah, Andre 3000 can get away with it. He's Blair. Mm-hmm. A little depressed Matt can get away with it, too. Mm-hmm. I was rocking it. Has little skulls on it. See, I like, I like that. I like that. Wait till you see it. No. Well, I'm not going to wear it to the podcast. <laughs> but I don't. This isn't as formal an event. So, did Superman wear a bow tie when he was killed? Jimmy Olsen wears a bow tie. That's our tie into the death of yep. Superman. Yeah, he does. Um, he, and he and he took it off and he used it as a tourniquet for Superman to stop his super bleeding. That didn't happen. You made that up. But, but, I was like, I don't remember, remember that. Should have happened, though. But he was pretty much bleeding from everywhere. It's not like he had to he tie off an arm or a limb. He had his ass kicked. Up and down. I mean, his face was purple and 
Because as we referenced before, there weren't any real DC heroes helping him out. It was Fire, Ice, Booster Gold, Blue Beetle. Yeah, Guy Gardner. Yeah, yeah it was he was on his own, basically. I wonder if they purposely set it up like that, or if at that point in comic book history, just... You know, those heroes just happened to be someplace else. But I don't know what Batman was doing. Uh, was that in the middle of Nightfall, or did Nightfall just start? Maybe that's what was going on with I can't, him. I can't remember if it was exactly at the same time as Nightfall, but Nightfall, I think, came after. I know that he got his spine broken after, but Nightfall was so long and took up so many series, I didn't know if it had already begun at, and Superman died and then... Like a year later, after Nightfall wrapped up, you know, 13, 14, 15 issues, um, did he get his spine broke? I'm not sure. I don't know where Wonder Woman was, but no wonder he To rationalize lo- that lost to in Doomsday. my own mind when I read that story, since it all happened in roughly the same yeah, roundabout time, Nightfall's, I, I feel like that that's my excuse for him not being there. Same with Hal Jordan when he quit being a Green Lantern. Nightfall started about one year after, or about six months after, um, the death of Superman. So where the hell was Bruce Wayne at? I don't know. What was know. he doing? I don't, I don't know. They would never let that fly nowadays. There was, there, you could never get away with that. Fans would lose their minds. But it's a more cohesive, continuity, learned fan base but these days. there was, um, the death of Superman set, I think, some precedents for, um, death in comics. I mean... There was never uh, a major character of that caliber, of that that iconic, um, ever killed in comics. So nobody really knew, well, at least I didn't know, and I was 12, so forgive my um, naive... Naivete? Naivete. Is that how you say that word? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. My naive- Naiveness. Naivety? Um so I was playing a racial card. Oh, I'm sorry. So uh some people I think thought maybe he's really not coming back, like he's dead. This is it. And uh obviously that wasn't the case because he came back what about It was a year, nine, maybe nine a year and a half. A year or yeah. I don't even know, but not that long. Um but uh, it, it just nobody knew what the ramifications were going to be. There was never any kind of precedent up to that point. So um, the whole coming back from death was. I mean, so it, it happens all the time now. But then it what was so unexpected. Before then, came back from death. Before <sighs> then, I don't know. Electra uh, came back at some point there. Was it before? It was before that. Yeah, yeah. Electro got killed during um, Frank Miller's run on Daredevil, which was in the eighty six eighties. Electra. Yeah. Who do you think? I I thought you said Electro. No, no, Electra. Much more iconic. He did say Electro the second time, right? Yeah. Electra, tra, like the nachos. (laughs) But Electra did get killed in the Frank Miller run in like eighty six, eighty seven, somewhere in there, and came back because. That character was so popular in, I think, in a span of only, like, a real short span, maybe four or five issues total before she got killed. Fans were writing in letters, and they brought her back, voodoo, witch, magic, or something. But she was she was killed in there. I mean, um, Jason Todd was killed. Gwen Stacy was killed. 
Uncle Ben was killed before Superman was killed. None of those Barry characters... Barry Allen was killed. And none of those characters had come back. So Jason Todd was killed. Pretty sure I just said that. Oh, did you? Yeah. It's okay. Electro was killed. Did you say Barry <laughs> Allen? I didn't say Barry Allen. I said... Uh, he said Jason Todd. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. You know what? It was an important death, so it was worth mentioning twice. Um, he... They, they didn't bring any of these characters back, so maybe that's where maybe some of the thoughts where Superman's <clears throat> not going to come back. Supergirl, Supergirl was killed in a Crisis, a famous yeah. oh, cover right, where yeah. he's holding her up and crying. She came back. She came back a couple different times and a couple different versions, but I, I don't know if it was I don't know if it was resurrecting that character or because during um, during War of the Superman, there's a Supergirl. It's funny that but it's not it's not like Superman's cousin. It's some weird like Lex Luthor made android made of clay that loves Lex Luthor. It's some That's really, really weird. Really weird. Lex Luthor has this big mane of red curly hair. Oh, what a style. Ah, Lex Luthor too. Right? Wasn't Wacky. that Lex Luthor too? Wasn't yeah. he some kind of clone of Lex Luthor? And he was like kind Scott of the, Hartnell. He was kind of the good Lex Luthor. Maybe not, but maybe less bad than the previous Lex Luthor. Yeah. Yeah. Was weird. He was more incognito, I think. <clears throat> that was a bad time in general for the entire Superman mythos. There was nothing good about that entire Superman era. I don't think that's at all accurate. What do you think was good about that era? Well, I think the death of Superman was good. I think Funeral for a Friend was good. I disagree that Death of Superman was good, but... Uh, Funeral for a Friend was really good and War of the Superman was pretty solid it was a pretty solid book for a 90's Rain, 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 Rain of the Superman. Superman yeah pretty solid book for a 90's, 90's book Rain of the Superman was interesting because you really thought that they were going to go at least for a couple of years with one of those versions of Superman yeah. as the real deal but as far as the death of Superman goes nothing happens in that story it's a whole trade it's paperback a of a fight yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. there's no there's no actual story. Well, there's nothing to really get invested in. I guess they felt that if we're going to kill Superman, we're going to basically have somebody beat him to death, and they... For 12 issues. Well, that's the way it's got to go against Superman. I Did mean, it ever bother either of you that it wasn't <clears throat> Lex Luthor that eventually killed Superman? It was essentially a new character no. that they just created out of nowhere? No, no. I, I Actually, I think Doomsday was a very interesting character that had some potential where doomsday went wrong was when they brought him back where doomsday went wrong is that when he had no backstory and he was created just to kill superman well he had a backstory his backstory was like he was kind of mummified um that was all after oh yeah they gave him a backstory they kind of of retconned him because he didn't have a story he was we need someone to kill superman I don't know if he was retconned. I, I think that was probably all established beforehand. It wasn't. I've read up on it. Oh. He was just, we're going to, here's this guy. Someone needs to be strong enough to kill him. We're going to make it this guy. And then naturally, everyone fleshes out the character afterwards. And that's fine mm-hmm. to do, but it, but it seems, it's almost like when they create a TV show just to make car, uh, make action figures, there's a little hollowness to that. But um, when they brought Doomsday back, <clears throat> I think it was the very first time they brought him back after he Superman killed him. 
because Superman killed Doomsday at the same time that Doomsday killed Superman. Which that, actually the, the punching at, in the face at the yeah, same time. I, I believe Superman comes down with a with a double handed axe. Uh, what's that called? A double handed axe hammer or oh, some geez. shit. And then, and, then Doomsday, and then Doomsday is coming up with the uppercut, and they, they killed each other. That last book blow. felt like that was a Doomsday should have hit him with a folding chair. Bang. That was a double-page spread. There were a couple really cool splash pages in that. Actually, the final issue, was that all splash pages? It was all... I don't think there was any uh, word balloons throughout the whole thing. I think it was just one massive... No, there were there words. Were, there? there was talking. Yeah, there was yeah. but if I'm not mistaken, I, I, I could be it. wrong on this, yeah, but I, I want to say that it was all splash it, pages. It but there was been. one particular. Was that all Dan Jurgens that drew it? Yeah, that issue Dan Jurgens drew. Just that issue, not the whole Death of Superman. No, well, he drew. He was on the Superman, Superman book, but somebody else was on action. Somebody else was on adventure. Right. So uh, there's a really cool uh, page, or maybe it. Maybe this one's a double page spread, but where Superman and Doomsday hit each other at the same time, they didn't kill each other on this one, but all the glass on the buildings <clears throat> around them is shattering. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was really cool. Like, a nice touch to show just, like, the power of these two characters. Um, but anyway, whenever they brought Doomsday back, that, I felt like, was where the character kind of faltered because it seemed like they tried to explain to you that he's even more powerful each time he essentially dies and comes back but contrived contrived yes but at the same time i feel like he was easier to defeat each time so in that superman doomsday what was it called judgment well, day the first time you fight him and you die you, you can't beat him again right. superman doesn't get exponentially stronger each time he Maybe regenerates he himself with a mullet Maybe he had his hair. Help. His hair gets stronger. So when Superman came back in, uh, I believe it was Action Comics number six hundred was it or was it was it just six hundred or maybe it was, but it had that goofy cover. Do you remember like, the cover? Was it was it a white green? cover, and it had that peel away thing. It had this weird vinyl peel away portion on the front of it. It was like this weird prestige style. Well, maybe prestige isn't the right term because it wasn't like. Um, I think it was still like saddle stitch <clears throat> staples, but like it didn't have uh, glue or a hard. It was binding. super Superman five hundred. Oh, five hundred. Okay. And um, it was was oh, the Adventures of Superman. Was this like? Um, was that a hologram? That seems like no, that would be a hologram no, deal. No, it was, it was a flat image, but it had this weird peel-away vinyl, and it came polybagged in a white polybag. See, I only with, I had the, the white Superman S on it. I had the white polybag. I had that polybag, but I also had the newsstand one, which that's yeah, pretty weak. I remember his dad this. is like dragging him through the netherworld or whatever the hell that was. Yeah, that's that was um, the one that I remember. I, I don't think I ever unbagged. When, I, re- I do recall when he came back, again, this made the local news, and they had gone to like some comic book stores, and the owner was flipping through and saying, you know, because in that return issue, Superman only existed in like kind of the in-between world between life and death, and they introduced in this one at the end the new four Supermen, which leads into the reign of the Superman. So you had Superboy, the clone of Superman, you had the Eradicator, which... What's his 
deal, Paul? You should know this. Uh, <clears throat> I should know this. I don't. Not off the top of my head. So I, he, I feel like he was um, the Eradicator was like Superman's consciousness brought back, but he had like no morals. He just killed people. Right. And he had these cool shades. Remember that. And then you had the cyborg character. That was my favorite one out of them. Yeah, well, he's well. I was he was he's the only one that lasted, but Superboy and Steel also lasted. Steel mm-hmm. even got his own movie. And then, lastly, we had Steel, Ian's favorite, um, <laughs> John Henry Irons. John Henry Irons, mm-hmm. um, so, representing the players. Isn't that right, Ian? When they were interviewing this, <laughs> yes. this comic, <laughs> he was my owner, favorite. The, the owner was like, "We got these four new characters. We don't know which one is really Superman. Like, we really didn't know what was going on." in that first issue I thought there was a good chance that one of them would be Superman I thought <clears throat> I thought that either I thought that Superboy was going to be Superman how pissed would you have been if Steel took off his helmet and he wasn't black oh Jesus it would have been the end of days <laughs> at that point and and then when it leads into the reign of the Superman like that story was really cool I don't remember it that well but I do remember like the four Superman at one point or another all kind of tangled with one another and they were like really interesting fights hero on hero action well I think that they pretty clearly established the cyborg is kind of the, the villain of the bunch and the eradicator was a little bit kind of the villain too um, the cyborg really looked like Terminator, so yeah. it was pretty easy yeah. to tell that he was going to be but the bad was, guy. But he was the one that had, he was the one with the the consciousness closest to Superman. I He's think the one so. that acted most like Superman. I think so. Up until he uh, destroyed until an entire he went, city, uh, right? hooked up with Mongol and destroyed Hal Jordan's hometown of Coast City. I remember the Eradicator fought the cyborg and the cyborg fucking destroyed him and the cyborg fucked up Superboy yeah too. that that reign of the Superman story was a pretty good story I kind of I have to trade the Eradicator's and outfit and isn't the worst that's not right the now. worst outfit with the big S that it goes really directly that into the cave isn't that isn't that what they're doing with the current Earth 2 Superman doesn't they I have a similar you might setup something like that yeah and, and he also had kind of the energy like that he could shoot out of his hands which I believe he did in that number 500 issue of Adventures of Superman where he like blasts that thug like I think he like shoots a hole through him basically mm-hmm. I think so you have a clearer memory of this than I do. I don't. So I, I remember. Read I read it. I collected them in singles, so I did read it, but yeah. I never reread it. We're so. going back to '93, so yeah. it was 20 years ago. That was yeah. back when you were 25. <laughs> <laughs> really was. Young impressionable Ian Sharpley. <laughs> I was reading this and I was like, "This is dog shit." Where's that Tyra Banks poster? <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, so that was the big one, but that kind of changed everything because eventually they did bring Superman back, and after that, all bets were off. Um, you know, any character can die and they can come back. You don't know if it's really going to happen or not at this point. Well, you know, but you just don't know how. Well, no, I don't think that you are guaranteed a return yet at this point just because Superman came back. Oh, you mean in ninety? You're yeah. talking to 90. Yeah, three. yeah. Like, after that, you don't really know. You know that it can happen now. Right? Now, present day, they're but, coming back. Today, you just don't know how they're coming exactly. back. Exactly. I mean, we're not, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of deaths, I think, that took place before we get to today, because today death is meaningless in comics. But 
back then, I think it still had something, even though the death of Superman changed everything. So what was the next big one, would you guys say? Do we count Batman's spine-breaking as a death? Because it kind of took Bruce Wayne away from the mantle of the bat and put some other fuck nut under the cape and cow. And did I, he I, die? I did he die when they broke his back? He, did, he, he did. didn't die. And I think no. we're talking comic book deaths. Not comic book severe injuries. Okay, well, I'm just saying that was like that was like a death. But I guess we can t- if we're we're go- we'll stay strictly to death. Then no, what was the next? No, I, I think you're right. I think in a sense that was kind of all right. A, you, a want, death. you want to play fast and loose tonight? Yeah, go I ahead. mean, rulesy McRules. Go right ahead. <laughs> Fuck your birthday. <laughs> we're, we're just gonna do what we want. <laughs> um, so I kind of think that Batman getting his spine broken. And moving away, and Bruce Wayne no longer being that character—that was like a death to me. So remember, um, in Teen Titans, the one you just read, where mm-hmm. uh, where Kid Flash gets shot through the leg. That's and, not the same and, thing. And like, he was back in two he pages. Was, he was out for like a whole two pages. <laughs> I really fucked up his day. He was dead for like two pages. Batman was out of the game for at least a year. He I want to say he appeared a year. in every book. He wasn't. Did he appear in every book? I don't know about every book. Yeah, I don't think he was in every book. I don't think he was in every book. It might have seemed that way because you were only reading the trade twenty five years after it happened. But me and Matt were in the trenches when it was all going down. The (laughs) the batarangs were flying, and we were like, "Holy shit! Batman's dead. I mean, broken. Is he dead? Is Is he he dead? No, he's just just, he's just paralyzed. He's got an ouchie. But I'm just gonna say he's dead anyway. All right, fuck it. What was the what was the next death? <laughs> Who got killed next? Did um well, Alfred got kidnapped at some point. So <laughs> <laughs> should what, we what, should, what? do we wanna should we go take the Wayback Machine and start with start with the death that has probably had mo- the most meaning and is the only death that has stayed through all these years? Well, we can um, even go let's jump one let's jump back even further and let's do Bucky. Um, Bucky Barnes, Captain America's was sidekick. Was he killed before Uncle Ben? Yeah, he was killed in the 30s. The 30s uh, and 40s. 40s. Bucky? You really? said, you were like, and groaned. No, not the 30s, the 40s. It's the same thing. Are you sure? I'm sure. So, the, the Marvel bullpen that we know from the 60s, the Marvel bullpen, they didn't write Bucky Dying? No. No, they didn't. He he died. I'm going to say that he did definitively as I look it up. Well, technically he wasn't dead. He was dead. I think he was frozen in a block of ice in Russia. He his arms well his <laughs> arms up until like two thousand eight, his arms he was blown up. Yes. Now, Only later did we find out that Now I'm just being a douche. That's guy. them. That's them going back, and so now? he was fucking dead. Oh, whoa! All right, well, Larry, let's let's go let's go with Bucky. And Bucky was Bucky was one of the rules for a long time. the The rule was really you don't bring back Jason Todd, the second Robin, or Bucky, who was Captain America's sidekick. But both of those have gone clear out the window at this point, and now they're both back living. Healthy lives. Bucky will be in Captain America, the Winter Soldier, as he is now the Winter Soldier. 
Okay, I guess you're right. In uh, 64, he was retroactively killed See? at the end of World War II. So, I guess that's shame on all of us. Mm. So, uh, so, obviously, uh, Uncle Ben was was a death that that has actually one of the few that has withstood the test of time uh, back in 19... Yeah, and, and there, there's really no reason to bring back Uncle Ben. Like, Uncle Ben famously fell prey to the scourge <laughs> of street invasion. Home invasion. But home invasion, I just want to say street invasion. Now, that's the thing. I, I think comic book characters that are not heroes, like if they're more supporting characters, like Elongated ben, man's wife. Like Uncle Ben, Gwen Stacy, uh, Kyle Rayner's girlfriend Arthur, who got butchered and Alex, thrown into Alex DeWitt. Is that her name? Mm-hmm. Not Arthur. Uh, George Stacy. Jeez, um, Spider Man's had some bad luck. Uh, but these characters stayed dead. Peter Parker. <laughs> Gee, I wonder if he's coming back. <laughs> Certainly not in time for Amazing Spider Man 2. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> I will eat my underwear. He does not come back. You heard it here, podcasters. Matt will eat his underwear. All right. You want hot sauce on that? Soy sauce? How do you want to dine on your underwear? <laughs> That'll be the day I don't wear underwear. <laughs> um, so Spider-Man's had a lot of tra- tragedy. And these characters have stayed dead, with the exception of the beloved Aunt May. Which in Spider-Man number... The Amazing Spider-Man number... Shit. That's okay. We don't need a specific number. Because we always do that and then we're like, Ah, shit, we're wrong. (laughs) There was an anniversary (laughs) issue with a fancy embossed die cut Was this a 90s cover? Oh, this is... Yeah, yeah, this this is the death of Aunt May. And she died on her deathbed of old age. However... It would have been awesome if they kept her that way. To... Yeah, seriously. To undo it, the what they came up with was that it was a hired actress that was posing as Aunt oh, May that like faked her you. death. How and real Aunt May did not actually die. Um, and this was this was all during the whole clone saga thing, so there was just a lot of bad shit going on. I had been punched out. I think I came back for a little bit for her death, but I didn't read. I didn't collect the Clone Saga. I think la- later on I, I read the Clone Saga. Matt, I thought you liked the Clone Saga. Uh, well, I didn't read the whole thing. Because, I mean, it's massive. And when it came out, I was just a youngster. And I did not have the coin to, to get all the issues. But, um, oh, weren't you like 16 when it came out? Um, did that come out late 90s? Oh, fuck. How much money do you think you have when you're 16? I don't know. I'm going to have to buy comic books. <laughs> No, uh, trust me. There, were, I mean, there's what like seven trade paperbacks worth of fucking comics for the Clone Saga, and they're like there's six trades. There's so, a lot. I mean, yeah, there's a ton. It's so not very good. Um, I think it started out with promise, and it was interesting. I think it was kind of cool that they went really back into the history of Spider-Man to bring this character back and kind of like go into the history and, and take some and make something old relevant. They do that a lot now. I mean, it seems like they got it down pat now, but back then it was kind of hacky feeling whenever they brought Ben Riley. Did they kill someone in the death of... 
Riddler in the Clone Saga? Well, eventually they killed Ben Riley, which I think was necessary because I think he's fans... back now. Yeah, he, the Scarlet Spider. Spider. He's back in the regular Marvel U. Uh, I don't know for sure how regular that Marvel U or that you know that series is, the Scarlet Spider. But it's a series. Yeah, that's a book title. Yeah, <laughs> because that's what he went by. He, get, he gets his own book. Thought everyone hated that guy. Uh, they do, but suckers maybe be buying comics. People probably fucking like that better than the Amazing Spider-Man, which is the amazing fucking Doctor Octopus. Which I can proudly say I put back on the shelf yeah. this day. Yeah. I said no more. No more. You said Spider-Man no more. <laughs> oh, no oh. one. Craven the Hunter has been dead if we're talking Craven deaths. He's, he's dead. And he stayed dead. They killed... Uh, right? He, he's been dead ever since. Um, they killed Norman Osborn, but he's been back so many goddamn times. Yeah. Norman Osborn's a character that won't stay dead. Yeah. It won't keep him dead. Weirdly, I don't have as big a problem with it when it's, like, villains. Because it almost reminds me of, like, a horror movie or something. You know, you kill Jason, like, 30 fucking times, and there he is. He's still back, holding the machete. He's not, they're never they're never dead. They always... Well, in the horror movies, they're dead, but comic book villains. There's never... There's always, like, a, oh, he went in the water. We can't find the body. <laughs> and then you know, Joker comes back in a year. Yeah. Has Joker been dead? No, he just was faceless. They killed. Joker's, I don't think he was They killed dead, Joker's though. daughter. Uh, I didn't know he had a daughter. Me neither. Well, it wasn't his daughter. It was um, her name was Duella Dent. She was actually her. She was actually Two Face's daughter. Oh. But well, went by the stick say- of Joker's daughter. Why did they do that? That sounds awful. Uh, bad writing. Nope. That's why they did that. And they're bringing her back in the new 52. She may be in on Earth 2, but they're bringing that character back. I think it's I think it's unnecessary. What DC's doing right now, they're introducing a lot of new characters in the upcoming year, and they all seem kind of stupid. Like, there's an anti-Batman named Wrath. In his, in his, what is this? Ninety six. Uh, yeah, he sounds a, extreme. He's, he's coming. His name's Wrath, and his, his Robin is. Um, God, this sounds fucking. Is, it called, is he called Scourge? Wrath and Scourge, or Wrath and Scour, or something. And they look, they look. Um, apparently, they're old characters. They existed at some time, but they existed back way back in the day, maybe maybe in the nineties, in one of those Legends of the Dark Knight books. But they're bringing him back. This picture of Wrath, sure as shit, looks like animated series style. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know his entire publication history. This is the new guy. But I guess he died. But the way they're, the way they're explaining it is that this Wrath guy died in this one issue. He only appeared in one issue years ago. He died. But what you don't know in that issue is that he had a, his own Robin. And it looks like what's happening now is that guy has grown up to be the new Wrath with a new evil sidekick. I'm hating this. Mm. This looks like dog shit. They should not do well, this. Well, the premise, the premise for the character is we know what we know what a guy what a guy like Bruce Wayne would do with all of his money and all of his resources. They'd go be a good guy. But what would a bad guy do with all of Bruce Wayne's power and resources? They did that. That's, it was called Nemesis. That's Wrath. 
the Batman special. That's that's the one one book he appeared in. I don't know what year that's from. Oh uh, yeah, Nemesis. It was written by Mark Millar. Miller. Millar. Mm. Which means he probably said fuck a lot. That was probably what not a Batman big would Millar do. fan, huh? Haven't we talked about this? We might have. You're not a fan of a lot of you're not a fan of Grant Morrison, Millar. Who else do you hate? Uh well, I don't hate Millar, but I not on his nuts like most people are. Um I find that his characters um they're all dicks. Yeah, they're all dicks. There's nobody to root for. You kind of want to see them all die. It's like a Steven Seagal movie. Like, I just keep hoping somebody fucking beats his ass. <laughs> um, it, and I'm sorry, but I can't enjoy a book really fully. I can't really get into it if I can't I liked get into a character. His stuff's hit and miss. I liked, um, I liked Wanted. I liked uh, Kick-Ass. I, I never read Wanted. Wanted is a pretty good movie. Um, Kick-Ass, I liked um, I both of those trades. Kick-Ass movie was good. I liked Superior. Um, Nemesis wasn't quite as good. Maybe it was just that it was just over-the-top, dicky main character. Yeah. It was insanely annoying. And then even his run on um, The Ultimates. I mean, could he make Captain America any less likable? I liked his run on the Ultimates. The first Ultimates the first 1 and two, Ultimates 2 are really good. Those are really the only good Ultimates books. After those two they're, trades, you yeah, can quit reading. Jeff Loeb, Jeff Loeb got on the third one, and he... Yeah, with Joe, Joe Maggerera. Yeah. And that Majera. was some horrible shit. I thought the characters were more unlikable. help me out. I say Maggerera. Joe Mad. Maggerera? That's what I say, but who the fuck knows? Kind of We're going to interview time. him next week, and we'll get to the bottom of this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the Ultimates w- was pretty good. I think the story was pretty good. Obviously, you know, there's some pretty iconic shit going on, especially with the Hulk and the whole attack on Manhattan in the number five. But um, I think all of his characters, though, were shitty. Like, um, you know, uh, Hank Pym is an abusive uh, wife beating asshole. Yeah, but that's what he is. It just turned it up a little bit. Yeah, that's what he is that's, in the regular that's Marvel year. It's, it's does. taking it and making it the ultimate version. Yes, the ultimate and wife it, beater. And then, <laughs> and then you have Captain America, who is like this. Who's a who's a homewrecker? Yeah, he's a homewrecking asshole. The, yeah, the only two really likable characters are Tony second. Stark. Yeah, and but Thor. but Tony Stark is. The Tony Stark that we all watched in Iron Man. No, no, he's more no. of a dickhead, I think. I like I like Man Tony Man. Stark a lot in the Ultimates. In, I don't know. In the movies, I feel like there's a real level of charm. And in the uh, in the Ultimates, I feel like there's just Do you think that might be attributed to Robert Downey Jr.'s just yeah. playing the shit out of that? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. If I read the novelization and I saw the exact dialogue Maybe it wouldn't come off yeah. as, as kind of charming as it does in the movies. Because you're naturally not going to read something as charming as Robert Downey Jr. does. Probably not. I like the take on Thor, how people were kind of like, ah, he's kind of a crazy hippie. Is it real? Is it not? Um, yeah, Thor was really cool. He was He was a lot of fun. The problem that I had with that was... I wanted to know what is Thor's deal. 
But I did not like waiting seven months in between issues. Well, that's Brian Hitch. That's not Mark Millar. That's Brian Hitch dragging the fuck out of that shit. Yeah, I know, but... I... The Ultimates was... The Ultimates was a place where death was supposed to be permanent. The whole Ultimate Universe... Was supposed to be permanent? Yes. I think that was one of the things that they said at the beginning of forming the universe is that death was permanent. Yeah, they also said that the books were going to be self-contained. You hate that part that they intermingled. That didn't bother me all that much. You mean like Fantastic Four, X-Men, Ultimates, they were all supposed to be self-contained? Yeah. Why would you want them to be like that? Part of what's great about the Marvel, the Marvel you and other comic book universes is that they're a shared universe. Right. I think if Spider-Man was the only hero in a universe, I would be so fucking bored. I don't think that it was made with you in mind. I think it was made for people to be able to pick it up, get into it, not have to worry about additional backstory and you know other baggage of other... But that baggage like is that. what's so fun about comic books, is uh, being there and reading I'm not, all I'm that. not disagreeing. I'm just saying that's yeah. that wasn't the intention of the Ultimate U when they created it. Um, not only were the books supposed to be self-contained, they were also supposed to never cross over with yeah. 616. And <laughs> we know how that went. Actually, they broke that rule like 10 years ago or whatever the fuck it was in the Fantastic Four. When, oh, oh, with the Marvel zombies. zombies. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. When Mr. Right. Kirkman and, and Mark Millar yep. decided that that would be a good idea. What I, um... Well, they, they killed Peter Parker in the Ultimate Universe. For real. And he's still dead to this day. Is he going to stay dead? I'm starting to feel like maybe they will keep him dead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Miles Morales is your new... Your new, um... New, better, blacker. Your new, better, blacker, Hispanic uh, Spider-Man. Way better than cracker-ass Peter Parker. Now, I never said that, but he is really good. If Have you read any of the new Ultimate stuff? You would like it. I, I, think, think, it, I think I would like it. I like Bendis. I like Sarah Pacelli's art. Art's like really it. good. Um, but, I, but when they killed Peter Parker is when I quit, when I quit reading. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Bendis and Mark Bagley did... Up, I think it's 22 trade paperbacks of Ultimate Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of fucking issues. And it's all it's all Peter Parker, and it's this big story, and at the very end, they kill Peter Parker. And that's when I quit reading, because the story was done for me. I didn't need to, I didn't I, need to yeah. go on and see how they got along without Peter, and see how Miles Morales stepped into the role. I think you would really like it. It's an interesting take. And well, the, if he was the, white, I probably would. <laughs> the the way that Peter Parker's death, you know, has this real impact on Miles is this is a similar way that Uncle Ben's death had an effect on Peter Parker and everything he did because Miles is always looking to try to uphold the standards and morals that Peter Parker put out there. But Spider-Man. did did he know Peter Parker beforehand? No, but everybody... He just just knew him to see him. He just knew of Spider-Man. And Yeah, and everybody knew who Peter Parker was at when he died because they unmasked him. It was all over the the news. So everybody in that world knows that the dead Spider-Man was Peter Parker. See, that I didn't know. That's pretty cool. Because there was the the Bendis-Bagley issues of that. Mm -hmm. And then... They started calling it Ultimate Comics Spider-Man for a little bit, and it was kind of anime style. Yeah. 
And then they got into the Bendis Pacelli stuff. Yeah. But they're, they're I all think the they went back story, for the right? death for the death is the death of Peter Parker. They went back and they brought Bagley back for that last story arc because he's the one who draws that five issue. St- you know, I, it might even have been an independent series, like a mini series or something like that. And he was on that. So Miles Morales' inspiration was the death of Peter Parker. Yes. Do. How do you feel that a character needs a death to be spurred into being a hero? Doesn't need Does it one. Have to be a I, you think death? that it makes them less of a character, and you like it better whenever they're um, they just do it because they love being a hero. I like the novelty of that approach. I don't think everyone needs to have a loved one die to be spurred on to being a hero, and it seems like it's just. It's just an easy way. Well, well, it's it's an appropriate thing for this because it's a mirror to Peter Parker and Uncle Ben's death, and then with Peter Parker because dying, Uncle Ben was Spider Man when he died. No, it's, it was just an inspirational point in life and the death. I think it's uh, so. What inspires Miles Morales to to be a hero? I mean, obviously, he gets the powers. He gets bit by a spider, right? He finds out that his uncle is a villain, and. Um, and that's that's one of the things that pushes him, um, but mainly it is that um, he saw he has similar powers to Peter Parker, and he becomes Spider Man, and he even starts out wearing the um, Peter's, outfit. Peter's outfit, where um, people seeing him on the street saving folks, they still take offense that he's wearing Peter Parker's costume and that's why he has to go and, and change and have his own individual um, black costume. Yeah, black costume. Now, um, do so you guys don't think Peter Parker will ever return in the Ultimate Universe? No. no. I think the Ultimate Universe will quit being a line of books before they bring Peter Parker back. How well is the current Ultimate Spider-Man selling with this new kid. I don't know. Um, I got the first couple issues um, on my iPad through Mm -hmm. Comixology. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I even bought... I might have purchased the third trade um, because it's a a really good story. Great art. But then I kind of just... It wasn't something that I absolutely needed to keep up with. I don't keep up with the Ultimate X-Men... I don't keep up with the Ultimate Iron Man, if that exists. Um, Spider-Man was the only book that I was reading, so I don't know if th- these books are selling well or not. I'm just curious to know how does how is this selling compared to, like, maybe how did it sell when it was Peter Parker? Because, you know... I, I couldn't imagine that there's any comparison, because the Ultimate Universe was newer back then. Um, right. I, I think it was, there was a little more buzz. It was, um, you know... You mean when the whole Ultimate line kicked off? Yeah, there was much more buzz well, than, no, than this new Ultimate I'm comparing it stuff. to, like, closer to when he died. Um, I, I have no idea. I, I don't know how, how it did or how it's doing. I mean, I would I guess, know. like you said, probably not even comparable, but... Yeah, I would imagine I it's not the same. It's 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 kind of funny to me that Ultimate Comics are still going on. Actually, yeah, I, I thought they I thought they would have uh, killed that line already. 
I would have thought so by now too, just because the the history has gotten complex, and mm-hmm. and at this point, it's really nothing more than just a parallel universe, and that's unnecessary. I mean, it 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 exists in spite of all the reasons why they initially created the thing, and but I mean, do you think that maybe they found that their reasons? in the beginning were kind of silly and they just decided to carry on with it. Um, no. Despite, no, you don't think that they, that, well, the books that were selling well, um, they decided to just keep going because it was a good selling book and they'll take all the money that they can get. I think that's probably more important than anything that they set out to I do. I think so, but when, when the Ultimate line started, it the the ultimate books were all pretty much better than all the six one six books. Like the ultimate, the six one six, and that's, and that's, why, that's one of the reasons that. they started the ultimates to give the company a boost. But yeah, at the right. same time, you know, almost unwittingly by Marvel, the regular universe took off at the same time. So almost immediately, the ultimate universe became unnecessary. I, I would imagine that it had a domino effect where people were going to the ultimate universe to to read their Spider-Man stories and not go into the you know right. to the 616 and the creators that were on Spider-Man or the or the powers that be probably were like holy fuck we got to get people to read the real Spider-Man we got to get them to be interested in the real X-Men it had to have an, a, a domino effect on what they were doing well i think that's why a lot of the ultimate creators are now regulars on the real Marvel books Bendis is all has his hands all over every fucking aspect. Of yeah, the but he Marvel always universe. did though. He always did. Even like he started, started on Ultimate Spider. He started. On, I know he started there, but almost immediately no. he went over to Marvel. No, not to the regular. Oh, it was pretty close. I thought when, he started. Um, he started. What was New Avengers? His first Avengers arc they did. Yeah, the disassembled. Yeah. Uh, no, not this is was like in 2000. I thought it was pretty close to. It was pretty close. The start of the Ultimates. Oh, okay. Three years later, that's pretty close. Eh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not gonna side with either with either one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then Mark Miller on the Ultimates. Um, they took over with Civil War. And right. Right. Whatever other books he was writing. Um, now, did Hickman work on um, any Ultimate books? I know he's on... I mean, Bendis worked on Ultimate Spider-Man in 2000. In 2001, he was on Daredevil. Hmm. So, I mean... And then later, he, he went over to Avengers and New Avengers mm-hmm. in like 2004, 2000, yeah, 2004. That's when he started steering the ship. Yeah. That's when he basically became Marvel Comics. Yeah. When he took over Avengers. Because not only was he, you know, in charge of like one of the biggest team books that Marvel has... He put all the A-listers on that fucking team. He oh, made that book he a bigger Wolverine book. He put Wolverine on Like, he took yeah. the, the big X-Man, and he put him on Avengers, and then he took Spider-Man. He gave it the Justice Avengers. League treatment. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Did you hate that? 
So I think, I think what Matt's saying is that he wants to read Death of Brian Bendis. You know, I used to be a huge... <laughs> Tying this all back in. <laughs> I used to be a huge Brian Michael Bendis fan. Um, I was a fan of his uh, back when he worked on um, an ongoing series from Image Comics, which was a spinoff from Spawn. It was called Sam and Twitch, which follows like the you know detective adventures of these two detectives that are in spawn and um it was really good it was very like crimey paul would have hated it but it it had a very gritty kind of leveled feel to street it street level street level but yet with brian michael bendis's um knack for like witty banter for what i consider pretty realistic dialogue i don't think it's all that witty to be honest that i don't feel like it's very kevin smith mm. that's witty banter um, Brian Michael Bendis, I think, writes a natural-sounding dialogue. I just think he likes to do it too often, because like, you can't pick up an issue of The Avengers without seeing all the heroes sitting around a round table having a chat. See, I don't mind that. I like that when they just talk. It's all the time. And... It's I don't like mind. every fucking issue. I don't, I don't mind that either. I, can, I, I like don't need a giant you... fight all the time. I like, a little I like Clark, Bruce, Diana, yeah. some of that shit. Yeah. But... Um, so I liked that, and I can remember um, he then started uh, the series that I really became a fan of his, which was Powers. And I believe we talked about this last week, where again it's another crime style uh, store or series where the uh, detective basically only works on cases that involve superpowers. So. Um, I even I got to meet Brian Michael Bendis one year. Huh. Uh oh. And uh, and and I went. I'm up... surprised and simultaneously not surprised. <laughs> and I I gotta say after meeting him I was an even bigger fan. He was he was very very nice to talk to. Um, and this would have been in either '99 or 2000. No, before he got famous. Before he got famous. See, this is what Maybe I've learned famous. about you. You should meet him now. Look at that guy. Look at that smile. I like that. You know what? In, in, all the, in all the interviews I've listened to with him and read by him, he seems like a really genuine guy he, who doesn't put on airs, who is just straight up normal, good guy. I feel like you like your creators and you want them to be that small garage band that nobody knows. But once they get popular and everybody's going to the Brian Michael Bendis concert... <laughs> And he's on. It, that, um, then they're not cool anymore. And no, he's like, fuck I, that I, guy. I, I wouldn't say that. However, I I would say, um, that what was I gonna say? I lost my Can train of thought. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Uh, far be it for me to defend some kind of indie outfit, but I I understand how there is a certain kind of writing that a writer's doing. Or a musician's doing when they're, you know, working the back alleys of clubs and, you know, doing the indie thing where their voice changes by the time they go through all this crap as an artist and get to that famous level. They're not going to be that same person anymore writing the same stuff that they were when they were younger. But do you think that happens to comic book writers? Yeah, comic book writers have, do you? have a lifespan. I don't know. How come you don't see Stan Lee writing shit anymore? Because he's, like he's 900 years old. 
Well, then think of some. He still does write were, shit too. You just don't like. He does write. No shit. No one likes it. Don't. I'm say just it. Saying, I just don't like I'm it. I'm just saying. You said right, how pick, come he's not? You don't see him writing. He does write shit. Then then pick. Well, why isn't he a mainstream writer? Pick then pick someone later. Pick someone from the '90s who was all over the place and just isn't around now. Comic artists have that, it happens, but some it doesn't happen have to everybody. Fans than others. But there's still a certain lifespan. Bendis isn't going to be around forever. No, I didn't say he was. But I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is, and I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> so, what, what I was going to say earlier, it. what I was going to say earlier is the one thing that that I kind of have lost some of my kind of enthusiasm for. Over Your the comic years. boner. No, uh, zombies. I was the biggest zombie fan. Loved them. I thought they were such great, like monsters, and you know, it's not like a vampire. It's it's a little different, like with like they come at you in hordes, and like way different. They just well, like, they just they like, sp- zombies are shitty. They sprint at you <laughs> <laughs> with oh, Usain Bolt like speed. Twenty eight days later, and and over brilliant. That's brilliant. Over um, thank you, Matt. <laughs> Over time, as they got more and more popular, and everybody started liking them, and they were making more movies that some obviously didn't agree with, um, they just kind of some of their uniqueness wasn't wasn't. Was it twenty eight days well, later that that broke your no, zeal no, no, no. for? No, it, it's more in recent years. Yeah. It might actually be the Walking so you, Dead. So you are the indie guy. And once, once it gets to a certain level of fame, fame it's no, like, oh, fuck no, because you. because I was reading Ultimate Spider-Man for years after Bendis got huge, and I still liked it a lot. So I, I wouldn't. But you don't that. like his stuff now, though. Um, well, I don't mean just Bendis. I just mean in, yeah. in general. I your oval overall arc of liking things. Can you give me another example? No, I got. Can I got, you I give got us another example? And Brian uh, what about what are did the you things ever like Matt Fraction? Name the things you hate. Go. I hate um, bow ties. No, I like bow ties. We know. Up but as soon as everybody start starts fucking them. wearing them, right? <laughs> no one's ever gonna start wearing them. You're no. safe with the bow ties. Um, beards. Beards. We all have beards. We do. If we're safe on beards, I have a shitty beard. I don't think so. I think you got a good beard. It's a dynamic beard. It really is. It's it's self-styles. It does. It looks like you shape it with one of those Andre 3000 type tools. (laughs) But you don't. That's just how it naturally grows. I clean it up like on the top right here. But it does this point thing down on your cheeks. You like that? It's almost like a villain villain would have that kind of beard. Cool. Do I look like a villain? I don't know. (laughs) That girl at McDonald's said you look like a rock star, though. <laughs> I don't know. The, uh, with the bow tie today. That was villainous. Really? Vill- villains would wear bow ties. And, like, I, I touch, like, my mustache and kind of twirl <laughs> the tip of it. What, what villain would Matt be? The calculator. The... A bad one. <laughs> no. no. I'd be a superhero. What hero would I be? Booster Gold. Yeah. <laughs> Vibe. Five. Well, Ian would clearly be Power Man. <laughs> uh, I have so many that so, I can pick from. So uh, when I when I got to meet Brian Michael Bendis, um, 
he he was wearing a bow tie, a big. He had a T-shirt on and it had a huge image of Cock. Snoopy on it, which I think is fucking hilarious. Um, Snoopy's and, funny. Yeah, Snoopy's funny. And uh, and he was really outgoing, and he told us this great story about. Now I'm going to do no justice to the story, but the way he told it, because he is a professional storyteller, mind you. True. He did it, uh, and he told the story about the time that um, Todd McFarlane was at a debate. Had to take a drink. <laughs> no, no, it, it wasn't a debate. It was at a it was at a comic book convention, and he was there with uh, John Byrne, and he was like kind of harassing John Byrne. Like John Byrne was trying to tell a story, and I guess McFarlane kept like. Rudely interrupting. So kind that of like sounds like that. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but I think he was doing it just to irritate Burn because Burn was kind of being like a, a, an elitist dick. So. I've heard a lot of a lot of reports that John Burns kind of a kind of douchey. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, because um, I guess at the time that uh, that Brian Michael Bendis was writing this San and Twitch series, um, which I think you would like, Ian. If you ever maybe dig, maybe dig out a trade or anything, but um, I I um I looked it up on Comixology the other week and I I thought about it. Is it on I'm there? I, I I'm pretty sure it is. I think it's one of the the only Spawn related materials that's on Comixology. For some because I was really looking up Spawn yeah. and I came across that. For some bizarre reason, they have yet to put Spawn on. I don't think it, I don't think it's a bizarre reason at all. I'm sure Todd McFarlane has his hands all over that, waiting for the the image app or the strictly McFarlane created app. He's looking to for have the, his own thing. The Todd app. Yeah. The tap. Oh. <laughs> so. Um. But you like the you like Bendis's work on there. Did did you didn't like the new Avengers the stuff he did by bringing all the major heroes. To uh, one team, I thought it was okay. I, that initial story with the prison break and everything just mm-hmm. didn't grab me like you would want it to. And honestly, like David Fincher, his art was Finch or Finch. Yeah, I'm thinking of uh, the director. Yeah, yeah. Um, David Finch. His art is is good, but it's very dark and it tends to be kind of hard to see it's, it seems to be inked very very heavily I feel the same way everything I've seen him on and I don't know if he has the same colorist but everything looks really shiny even surfaces that aren't supposed to be shiny look shiny like a brick wall yeah everything looks like it has this weird gloss on it I think that Bendis's work on that Avengers book was really great if you remember before that Avengers sucked I mean, I know that yeah. sounds crazy to people now, but Avengers was a low-selling, not very well-written, bad Marvel book well, that almost got canceled a million times. That's really not true. Um, oh, it's not? <laughs> no. Avengers did almost get canceled a bunch. No, it was I don't ri- think it that was ever canceled No, Avengers. it was written by Kurt Busiek uh, and illustrated by George Perez, and it was actually a very good book and it was a pretty high selling book as well maybe I just thought it was shitty I'm pretty sure that's the case I don't know it I don't know Avengers didn't sell like it did it didn't sell like it did until oh, Bendis got on it no, I, I no you're right say it, that. the sales yeah but I, I don't think it was ever on the brink of cancellation no. or 
I would not consider it to be shitty. As a matter of fact, I would think that a lot of people would argue that no, it was better when Kurt Busiek was writing. Uh, my well, buddy, my buddy Aaron, that I play hockey with, he's he's of that mind. Like he hates Bendis. Like he's a big fan of the pre-Bendis Avengers and even like the the '80s Avengers mm-hmm. when the the Ms. Marvel, the black girl with the big afro, mm-hmm. was that her name? I think so. When she was on the team, <clears throat> and Beta Ray Bill was around. So yeah, he's he's not a big big Bendis guy. No, I think... they'll only go back to Avengers once once Bendis leaves. Well, isn't he? Well, off? Yeah, he's off now. It's Hickman now, and I'm not a big Hickman guy. I tried to get into his run it's on not Fantastic even, Four. It's not even Avengers now. It's like Avengers in space with Hickman. Oh well. Anyway, I think that uh, we should go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, maybe we can start talking about death in comics again, which I think is why we've gathered around this table. Yeah, we can, we can probably hit a couple more death milestones and then do a, do a quick what you've been reading. All right, guys, we'll be back in a few minutes. Very successful death and rebirth for a main character. Now, for those who don't know, who is Hal Jordan? <laughs> Hal Jordan is Razor Shot Glasses, the Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> the Green Lantern. And for those who don't know, what were the circumstances of his death? Um, much like when they retconned the origin and story of Doomsday. Uh, Jeff Johns, the writer, went back and retconned why Hal Jordan died and and later on had a rebirth. Uh, Hal was, <clears throat> back in the day, whenever Green Lantern was created, his only weakness was against the color yellow. So his ring couldn't affect anything yellow. How fucking stupid. And it was. It was, it was totally dumb. And there was no reason for it. Because back in the 60s, you didn't need a logical reason for stuff. The stuff just was. So that just, oh, it was an impurity in the ring. It just didn't didn't work against yellow. Well, Jeff Jeff Johns, as brilliant as he is, 
didn't want to leave anything out. So he took a lot of that silly stuff from, from the Silver Age and made a good reason for it. So green is the color of willpower. Yellow is the color of fear. And they're, they're, they, they, they work opposite each other. I always thought that yellow was the color of pee. Well, green, an old Green Lantern ring couldn't work against urine. Unless you've been drinking a lot of water and it's white. Ooh. So the urinator was the biggest the urinator. villain that yes. fought Hal Jordan in the 60s, in the 60s and 70s. So they retconned it so that uh, part of... Uh, so the, the Green Lanterns had the entity of fear trapped in their battery, and it was leaking out. Part of this en- entity was leaking out into the rings, and that's what made the, made the thing. Well, eventually, the entity got out and took over Hal. And in his moment of grief, when the cyborg Superman that we talked about earlier destroyed his hometown, Hal went kind of nuts. He wound up losing his mind. He killed all of the other Green Lanterns in the universe. I like how you refer to that as kind of nuts. <laughs> he Always lo- making excuses he for lo- Hal Jordan. He lost, he lost his mind. Uh, he was a bad guy for a while. It's it's during the death of Superman, Nightfall. They were doing all this crazy shit with their characters. They were taking all the characters that everyone loved, and they were just taking a giant dump on them. They're trying to do things probably to compete with all the image stuff that was happening. They're, they're, they were probably going balls out drastic just to get that spotlight back right. on DC. So in the in the late '90s, they wanted a they wanted a younger reboot of a lot of characters, but they didn't want to reboot the universe. So they took guys like Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and even the Flash up to a point, and they gave them they made their younger counterparts the stars of those stories. So Hal Jordan eventually redeems himself by reigniting the sun in a story called Zero Hour, and he kills him. He he dies to save the planet. And after that, they bring in another Green Lantern. Is that his redemption? Yeah. But Hal Jordan doesn't even, even by going into the sun and getting killed that way, he doesn't really permanently go away because he's reborn as another character. Well, that's, what, that's what's interesting about Hal Jordan's death. And what's interesting to me about a big, rich mythology in comic books. Because Hal Jordan essentially dies, but his soul gets taken up by the Spectre, who is the spirit of vengeance. I so that was the Ghost Rider. Well, different universe. Oh, sorry. So he turns into Nicolas Cage. So he turns in, into, <laughs> into shitty Nicolas Cage. That's who Nicolas Cage is going to play. <laughs> the Spectre. The Spectre. Spectre. That would be bad ass. You know why? Because he wears a hood and you can't see his receding hairline. Oh, uh, so, so, so he just, never really went away. Oh, God. I was going to say, fair warning, I'm going to open up a Coke right now. So Do it, let's listen. Right into the microphone. Mm, crisp. Delicious Coke. This podcast that sounds brought like a to commercial. you by Coca-Cola. Regular Coca-Cola. <laughs> just, just Coca-Cola. Just Coca-Cola. So Hal dies, he be, he becomes, his spirit becomes the specter. And later on, DC decides to bring him back. But while he's dead, uh, and all he he killed all the Green Lanterns, he killed himself. So they introduce one Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, and that's when I started reading comics when Kyle was the Green Lantern. But all these different books that I'm reading, they all referenced Hal Jordan because he, he you know he grew up with Superman and Batman and Flash and all these other heroes. They all know they all know him. 
and you're reading it from the newbie perspective of Kyle Rayner, constantly hearing about the great Hal Jordan, the greatest Green Lantern ever, Hal Jordan did this, and oh, Hal Jordan. And even as a comic book reader, like, I'm seeing this name pop up all over the fucking place. So, I'm like, well, who the fuck is Hal Jordan? Why do I keep... He's, he's dead. Why, do, why the hell do I keep seeing his name? And that spurred me to go try to find, a, find out more about him, which was really good timing because that's when they decided to bring him back to life and Hal Jordan er, in Greenland and Rebirth and I was like well yeah I'm definitely going to get that because I'm going to check it out and that'll lead into my what you've been reading later but that's been a really I guess probably Hal Jordan and, Win and Bucky Winter Soldier have pro to me they feel like they've been the biggest most successful uh, rebirths of a character that had died despite you know like Superman coming back in the 90s. But, like, Hal Jordan was dead between probably 90, 94 and 2004. So in the comics, he was dead for a good 10 years. Bucky was dead even longer than that. Since the 60s until and back, probably 2008. And those two, those are two characters who are back now, and their popularity is almost more than it was when they died. Unlike guys, unlike Jason Todd, the Robin who was reviled when he died... And is still kind of reviled now. I think I don't, I don't even know who fucking likes Jason Todd. I've never met a person that thinks they should have kept Jason Todd alive, or they like reading a book with Jason Todd. He should be fucking dead. Can someone fucking kill Jason Todd? Judd Winnick probably likes Jason Todd. Isn't he responsible for bringing him back? I feel, yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like he's a character that the creators like, so they're in charge, so they keep him around. But if you if you pulled. Uh, if you pulled all comic fans, I think they kill him again. Yeah, uh, I I think that there's something about the organic way that both Bucky and uh, Hal Jordan came back. It's it's funny because Hal Jordan really never technically left the um, with him being the Spectre. Um, he was always in books. Uh, I don't think he had his own personal book, but he he appeared in a lot of different books. So he he was his aura was always around. But it does, it didn't felt feel cheap whenever they brought him back because you never kind of had that idea that oh they're gonna eventually bring Hal Jordan back at that point it always kind of felt like oh well he's dead and we've moved on and we have this it felt, new Green Lantern it now. felt more like they didn't kill him so much as they just reassigned continued him. his story as the Spectre yeah yeah but it's still even whenever Jeff Johns decided to bring him back. There was still a natural, organic progression to how they did it when they brought when Ed Brubaker brought um, introduced Winter Soldier, who was Bucky Barnes. It felt like it made sense. Where the story was that in the uh, explosion that threw Captain America into the Atlantic Ocean, frozen Bucky, who was just a normal kid, you know, clearly he Not just a got super soldier. Yeah, he just got blown the fuck up and was dead, but. The story that they went back and retold was that his arms were blown off. The Russians found Bucky just as the Americans found Captain America and used him. They put bionic arms on him and used him as a secret soldier uh, to fight America during the Cold War. So, And that felt like a story that made sense. A they, parallel Captain America almost. And they were both really, really good, really good stories, really well done stories. And maybe that's... That goes a long way to making these two rebirths feel really legitimate. Like, when they brought Jason Todd back, 
I think you. I, I read the story and I was like, "How the fuck is he back?" Like, no one really knows how he came back from the dead. It was some. Wasn't it? It was Infinite Crisis where Superboy Prime like punches the wall of reality and, and he, it shook up stuff and oh, oh, Bucky's or Jason Todd's alive. I think that's they explained a lot of things, it was a lot some, of weird uh, continuity things yeah. away with Superboy Prime punching some. Um, wall and shaking. It was it was some really weird stuff, and even Flash Rebirth was real fucking goofy. I read by, that and I still don't understand yeah, that. Written by Jeff Johns, and I love that guy, but I didn't. I I still don't know how Barry Allen came back from the dead. It was it's just so, it was just so confusing. I hate that they brought him back because in how many comic books did they use that moment of him dying and saving all the all the multiple. The versions multiverse. the multiverse uh they use that over and over again for probably the entire time that i read comics up until they brought him back and it seemed like a seminal moment in comics that they completely just shit on and and made well, less of a strong for moment. the longest time i feel like barry allen was another untouchable he was a dead character that was never gonna come back yeah and that that death meant a lot and they killed him in the 80s so there are generations of comic book readers that know Wally West is the Flash. For a long time, and still kind of now, Wally West is my Flash. Like, Barry Allen's the current Flash in the book. Wally West doesn't exist anymore. But Wally West was the Flash that was on the animated series for, for Justice League. I think that's what a lot of people associate as and he the was, Flash. He was the Flash in the books for years. Longer than Kyle Rayner was Green Lantern. I mean, it was... It was Wally West. He was the Flash mm-hmm. for years. And had they not brought Barry Allen back, I would have been okay with it. But more, you know, much like, well, people just like Jason Todd and want him back. Barry Allen is Jeff John's favorite character of all time. So, <laughs> of course, now that he's in charge and he can pull some strings, he's going to find a way to bring him back. Which I think is kind of jive. I'd like to think if I was in that, in that position, I wouldn't do that. But, You'll never know until yeah. but, you know, a couple years from now when you're so. in that position. <laughs> a couple years from now, after my Superman story takes off. I can't wait till that Superman story I'm going to bring back working. Thomas and Martha Wayne. So they're my favorite comic book characters. Maddie Ice, you've been pretty quiet. Are, well, I was wondering a couple things. Um, how exactly did Hal uh, Jordan come back to life? <sighs> Let's see. From being the Spectre? Um, Hal Jordan's soul was in the Spectre. Hal Jordan's body went into the sun. And since he was a Green Lantern for so long, his body absorbed so much willpower and so much of the green energy that even when his body was in the sun, it kept it, um, petrified it. It kept it from decaying. Mm-hmm. So, Kyle Rayner is out on some mission, and he stumbles across some old cave drawings about figuring out what Parallax is and what the yellow entity is, what the impurity is. So then he gets to the Guardians of the Universe and comes back to Earth, and he's like, "Hey, I think we can. I think we can save Hal." So he goes into the sun. He brings Hal's body back to Earth. I think we can save him. <laughs> say it like Lando if you're going to say it. 
So he brings he brings Hal's body back to Earth, and at the same time, um, Parallax and the Spectre are fighting over Hal Jordan's soul, mm-hmm. and eventually, Hal's soul on its own wins out, and it's able to re attach to his body. And your favorite mo- mo- moment in all which the comics sounds, happens, which sounds when... insane, is when I say it out loud and explain it like that because I just said those are really good. Those were that was linear storytelling. It makes total sense that that's how it came about. <laughs> but does, but in the context of the story, when you read the story, it it does. It all makes sense, and I can tell you that's what happened. It may sound silly, but I can explain it. I can't tell you how Barry Allen came back. Doesn't he uh, it, at the end of Rebirth after he comes out? Doesn't he punch Hal Jordan in the face or something like that? He punches or, Batman. Or punches uh, Batman in the face. Hal Jordan punches Batman in the face. Doesn't that happen? It does happen. I feel like at that moment, that's when your fandom switched from Batman to Green Lantern. No, no, my fan. There's a my fandom switched as soon as as soon as he steps out of the Green Lantern coffin, and he says he tells Sinestro he says, "Get the hell away from my friends." That was it. I was I was in. Why was he not crazy anymore? Because when when he died, he the yellow impurity wasn't in him anymore. Because so, okay. he didn't have the ring anymore. Okay. So he wasn't tainted by that. Okay. And then uh, Ganthet, the one guardian, took the took on the yellow impurity. So, that's so all now all their rings work on yellow stuff. How so did all, all the all how... their all their all the Green Lantern rings work on green willpower? There's no impurity. It's they can. Uh, what I'm saying is. They can, de- they can defeat yellow things. Like they can blast they can the now shit blast out the of that urinator. The urinator is like, God <laughs> damn it! <laughs> How did all the other Green Lanterns come back? I don't know this story. He killed them all, and then at some point they all came back. How did that happen? Uh, well, like he killed, he straight up killed Kilowog, but you know they kind of were like, well, he wasn't really dead. He was just really messed up. But a lot of them that he did kill are dead, uh. and they're still dead. They just, they just rebuilt the core with new, new Green Lanterns. So those guys stayed dead. Tomar Ree, the bird-looking guy with the fin on his head, he's still he's dead? still dead. Wow. Yep. I didn't know that. Matt, you're really quiet over there, buddy. Sorry. Fading. You fading? You fading no, on us? No, I don't feel that tired. It's early. Eleven thirty-four. Now you should be an expert on this topic because in indie books they kill motherfuckers all the time and they stay dead in indie books. If you're in The Walking Dead, you're dead. That's true. Yeah. Nobody's ever come back. That's Spawn, true. dead. Yeah, and well, Spawn? The character started out dead. Yeah, dead first and then dead again. <laughs> they, wait, they said so they killed characters in Spawn and they're that's it, they're done. No, I mean Spawn himself. In yeah, issue one, he was dead. dead and then they killed him. Al Simmons is dead. Uh, Al Simmons he's is gone. dead. But that white bastard that replaced him. Actually, I'm sure he's a nice gentleman. <laughs> Um, all of Cyberforce technically was dead and uh, brought back to life. What's Cyberforce? It's <laughs> an image book that Mark Silvestri was on. Oh. Certain characters in Savage Dragon had died in the past. And, and come back? No, the, most of them stay dead. Uh, uh, although, Super Patriot, did he die and they brought him back? Well, he the character Super Patriot died kind of, but they brought him back kind of like Robocop, mm-hmm. basically. Um, Cyborg. Savage Dragon has died, uh, although he did come back. And to be perfectly honest with you, I can't even begin to try to explain it. Um, 
for a while there was an alternate dimension version of the character, so that's kind of like a cheap cop mm. out. I think uh, all th- all three of the main characters and Preacher died at some point, and they all came back. Yeah, they all came back. Yeah, Tulip got shot uh, in the head in like the second trade. Yeah. Jesse dies at some point. Does he die? I think he does. And Cassidy dies at the Cassidy end. Cassidy dies end. at the end and then he comes back. Um, they kill Roger the homunculus in Hellboy. They kill Hellboy in Hellboy. But they kill Roger and he stayed dead. Like he's he's still dead, which really surprised me because like he seemed like a character that would be they'd be primed to come back, but Mike McDonald said that Hellboy's going to stay dead. That he'll continue on the the book, but he is he's dead and he's not coming back. I don't know I believe what the that fuck's shit. going on. I with didn't Hellboy even know now. Hellboy was dead. I only get he's the, dead. He died last year. Yeah, I only get well. It's he went to hell, so it's Hellboy in hell. They went home, so he's not like dead. Dead. What? How, what? 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 So you can go to hell and not be dead. Mm, yeah, I don't know. He's a he's a demon. So it's basically like Sam and Dean. Yeah. Sam and Dean die all the time. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Sam and Dean Winchester from Supernatural. They so, do die all the time. Uh, what, They've been to heaven, Hell- purgatory a couple what of times. What did Hellboy die in? Uh, Hellboy. Hellboy died in, in his yeah. own book in a fight for Britain. In a fight for Great Britain with some, uh, some British evil, dudes. Which, which evil, series was Evil it? woman. The regular series. It was the Wild Hunt, wasn't it? Well, I think it was after the. There wild isn't hunt. a regular series. They're all kind of they have their own little titles. I like the yeah. way that Hellboy does that, though. I don't know I like, if you I could like do that with all your, you know, regular um, books. Well, Hellboy's been doing it like that for a long time since the beginning. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Sin City is kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Although that Marth dead. But then they go back and yeah, they story. go back and tell <laughs> prequel versions. See, like I, I think if I was if I was a writer, like I'd be afraid. I'd be so I'd be sad to kill to, a good character. Yeah, I'd be afraid to kill someone and then be like, oh fuck, I'll never get to use them again. <laughs> That's whenever you go back and tell prequels, <laughs> like George but I don't Lucas. Know, I want to be that guy. You'd be, be that George guy. Lucas. That's why it's kind of fun though to be able to. Um, like have to live with the ramifications. I mean that it makes the event like I wouldn't. I wouldn't have even cut off Rick's hand in Walking Dead. It makes me so sad when people lose Limbs. hands and legs and eyeballs in comics. Yeah, and it really eyeballs. does. Yeah, just Custer. God ripped his yeah, eyeball out. And made yeah. me fucking bum. I know. That was really sad. Huh. Did he get it back? Yes, he did get it. Right. Very, I was so happy. The very end. Yes. I was like, oh, those beautiful brown eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, if I was a writer, I'd be afraid that I made this character that was so popular, the fans love him, there's t-shirts and action figures, and then I killed him, and then I'm like, ah, shit, I can't write another really good yeah, character. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care about the fans liking him. I th- I'd, I'd just be bummed if I couldn't use him again. Yeah. So you care about uh, the fans? Well, the McSauce fans. Oh, okay. I just wanted to check. <laughs> Some other deaths in comics. Captain America. Oh, yeah, that lasted about ten two hours. Captain America, Uh, dead. No, that lasted a couple of years. Did it? Yeah. How'd he come back? I don't remember. No, I I don't remember either. uh, I remember the... I read the death. It was called Captain America Reborn. Um, I I think I only read, like, one issue of that. Must have been good. (laughs) Yeah. 
Which is weird because it's the Brubaker stuff that was really good. So I could never get into the Brubaker stuff. Oh, You've never read the couple, Winter Soldier stuff? The trades are so good. Oh, no. fuck. Winter Soldier is so good. Winter Soldier is I, I kind of couldn't With get Steve into the Epstein. art. It's so dark. Yeah. The art Steve so thing. And then there was somebody else that, that it's real, was it's on really that. dark like David Finch, but it's really good. Unlike David Finch. Um, it's more polished. It's cleaner. There's somebody else that drew that book as well, and they had like such similar styles that you couldn't tell... When one stopped and when the other one began. Yeah, I who it was. But you didn't read that. Oh, God, that was... Shit, Are I we was... surprised? Yeah. No. Are we surprised? Not really. It's really good, though. Um, Batman. Dead. Batman. G- uh, Batman dead? Oh, yeah. Batman, Batman. Dead. Time, time bullet. bullet. Oh, it's so horrible. The time bullet. So horrible. Did you read that whenever he... Final Crisis? Final Crisis. Uh, I won't hold that against I you. I tried to. Yeah, I tried to. It's so, it's so it's bad. so fucking Ooh, bad. What a shitty fucking story. Uh, and I'm I'm a Grant Morrison fan. I know you're not. But I'm a Grant Morrison fan, and that fucking sucked. No, I'm not. Not really. I, I haven't... I've liked what I've read of him, if we're only talking the first or second issue. But once he gets into his story... And, you know, you start kind of... Shit's too crazy. Yeah, like, I, I feel like it starts out good, and then it, it he just doesn't have a clear vision, really. Or if he does, it's I it's, ain't you know, getting it. Yeah, I don't... I, that's a, that's another one that I can't really explain, the time bullet. I don't I don't know what happened. Because it, it wrapped someone, in, like, the new shoots, gods. And... Someone shoots a bullet at some point in time, and it goes to a different time and kills Batman. But... Sends him way back in time, and then he has to fight his way back through. I don't even know centuries. how it, how he came back either. I didn't read it. That's why I don't know definitively how he came back. But I know he had to fight through different centuries. Because he was Batman, the Pilgrim. He was Batman, the Caveman. Batman, the Pirate. So mm. bad. Yeah. Bat, yeah. Real bad. Like in the 1930s, Batman, the Flapper. <laughs> um, Jean Grey. Uh, has managed to stay dead in the Marvel Universe. Isn't Professor for... X also dead now? He's dead now, but he comes back all the time. Jean, <laughs> Jean Grey has at least been dead since the end of Morrison's run on New X-Men, which was uh, 2003, four somewhere around yeah. there. And she's been dead since then. But they found a new way around this. They found a loophole and went back in time and grabbed Jean Grey and brought her into the current Marvel Universe. Bullshit. So in a way, they circumvented the rule. Bullshit. Um, so, what, what other? Well, we got Spider Man right now. Spider Man. Currently dead. dead, but his consciousness is alive in Dr. Octopus's brain. I'm going to love to see how they put him back in his noggin. It's, he's, uh, these are. Oh, you mean in, sh- his, in his own body? Yeah, in his, yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't wait till Spider Man fights his way through heaven to get back well, to cause, cause shitty the, New York City. The, the body's already dead. Like, I can, I can understand. Like Hal Jordan's body being preserved by the power of the ring and the sun, but like that will make but sense. But Peter Parker doesn't. Well, I guess he could be preserved by spider powers in some kind of way. If they go back to the spider uh, totem stuff, which they never will. No, because they want to really forget good. that. But it, it was, was so awesome. Good. Why would they want to fucking forget that? They keep giving us this bullshit. I don't even read that book. It makes me mad. <laughs> uh, and then obviously the most recent is Damien. Oh, uh, yeah. Spider, or he's he's gonna stay dead, I think. 
Yeah, I think I think when DC rebooted the new Fifty Two, they made a pretty big, uh, pretty big push to make death permanent. Now, so I don't what, think gonna... what gives you that feeling? They said it. Oh, people they say wanna... shit all the time. Oh, yeah, they also said Spider Man's gonna fucking stay dead and it's gonna be Doctor Octopus forever. But come on, yeah, well, but we know that's not gonna happen. But if they killed like Alpha, that Peter Parker protege, then. I would be fairly confident that he would stay dead. It's because he sucks. Oh, well, they just killed the Human Torch in the last couple years, too. He's back. But yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Although, it was pretty cool how he went out. Like, he basically sacrificed himself. Remember when they killed Doctor Doom? Um, it was years ago in that um, the Fantastic Four run with Mike... Weird to go, Mike Waringo. Waringo, and I forget Wade, Mark Wade. Mark Wade, Wade wrote that. That was a great. Fantastic that was. That was I a, was buying Fantastic yeah. Four singles at that point. And they killed Doc. That was. So they good. killed Doctor Doom, and at the end, they also melted Reed's face off. Like half of his face was melted, mm-hmm. and then I think they ignored that entire run, and because maybe fan backlash. I'm not totally sure, but none of that stuff stuck. Doctor mm-hmm. Doom came back. Reed's face went back to normal. Well, Mike Mike War, Mike Waringo died. Yes, he did die. And he that was, was after that story. That was after they just went ahead and rebooted that. Yeah. Like they didn't stop that story because he died. Yeah. Correct? No, no, because he he finished that that timeline. He finished that arc. Yeah. So I don't know why they changed it. I don't know if it was just it, it couldn't have been poor sales because that was some of the best Fantastic Four stuff that I ever read. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I was I was all in. I thought that stuff was so good. I ate it up. Mark Miller and uh, Mark Millar and Brian Hitch also did a run on Fantastic Four. That was pretty good. Four. You know that was pretty good actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't Brian Hitch though. It was Steve McNiven. I think Brian Hitch was on uh, majority of those. Pretty sure. What I'm what I'm really liking about Steve McNiven's run on Guardians of the Galaxy so far is that not all the guys have that weird five o'clock shadow. Well, that's encouraging. It's <laughs> strange that uh, that's something that you're. Well, it was so all during Civil War and uh, the Ultimate Galactus book that he did, which I guess was Ultimate Marvel or whatever. Like all the dudes had this heavy five o'clock shadow. And I guess you could attribute it to the colorist, yeah. but it was it was just McNiven's work. Like it didn't appear in any other book. It was That's just weird. on his artwork. That's strange. Um, but yeah, I remember that that series four, Marvel Knights four, and yeah, that was good. That actually might be my favorite thing I've read from. Uh, we might be talking about a different one though. Oh, or is it? I don't know. Was it this? Was it this one? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was the series. I bro- uh, no. No? No, I think that was the regular Fantastic Four comic. I was talking about Marvel Knights okay. 4. I don't think, yeah, it was this... This was the series that I was talking about, so I guess we yeah, are yeah. talking about yeah. that. I don't know, Steve that McNevin... Was too. That was Steve McNevin too. did um, a series with him and Mark um, Miller? Yeah, yeah. So it was a Marvel Knight series. Uh, it was relatively short lived. Um, it was just called Four. Marvel Knights was another way that they tried to circumvent the regular Marvel universe. 
Um, some of those, because a lot of that stuff that happened in that early Marvel Knights wasn't really connected to the regular Marvel universe. No, it was it was like a slightly grittier, again, more yeah. street level imprint type thing. Um, Daredevil was the first one. It was the Joe Casada run, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, who wrote that? Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith. It was Kevin Smith's first comic book, I believe, that he wrote. The Daredevil story? Yeah. The Born, Born something? Um, um, Guardian Devil. Guardian Devil. Well, well, the Frank Miller one was Born Again Devil or something, right? Well, I don't remember. I don't remember either. But the Marvel Knights uh, started with Daredevil, and then it branched out into The Punisher, um, which was written by... Um, Garth Ennis and drawn by Steve Dillon, which Welcome back, Frank. Welcome back, Frank. Is my all-time favorite Punisher story. Me too. By the way. Were you a Punisher fan in the '80s and '90s before that storyline? Oh yeah, I've always liked the Punisher. I like the Punisher. I became a fan of the Punisher when I got the action figure. Okay. Um, How many superpowers does he have? Um, one. I'm out. He, when I first saw the, the action power figure, to punish. I thought he was a villain because he had the black costume, he had the big skull on his chest. I thought, obviously, this is a villain. I didn't realize he was, well, I guess he's an anti-hero, right? Um, but the, the action figure was so cool because in the back, do you remember this? The Toy Biz action figure? You could figure? bend him over? You could bend him over. I'm, I'm trying to, what, well, no, tell me what he, happened. You, he had like a contraption on his back that you could open up. And then you could put caps. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. And you could, like, there was, like, a switch or something that you would, like, pull, and then it would trigger the cap to go off. They can't do that with toys now. Like, you can't find any caps because kids will blow their eyeballs out or something. Did you ever get hurt by a cap? Fucking never. There were always cap. There were, like, (laughs) He Man figures that had caps and all kinds of different figures that had all kinds of cool shit. Cap guns? Yeah, fuck yeah. But you can't do any of that stuff now. Toys oh. now just suck. They're lame. So, uh, so I finally figured out that the Punisher was actually a good guy, and then and this is before I bought comic books. I just liked the you know the toys at this point. But then when I finally got into comics, um, it was one of my first comics. What are you doing? Why do you do that? And then you make why do a you face? Why do you shake up the? I made the face because I knew how loud that was going to be. But why do but you reason, you do it every episode? You shake the ice. The reason it needs shaken, it needs stirred, because as the Pepsi's sitting there, the ice cubes are melting and it's getting watery. So Just I need drink to drink your goddamn Pepsi up. and don't shake I need it. To shake it up to have better consistency. Mm, that is good throughout the entire yeah. glass. Yeah, I know you're being funny, but that's why I do it. Do we want to talk some? Talk some what you've been reading. Are, are we ready for what you've been reading? We can. Ian, we know you didn't read anything. I didn't read anything. I can talk about what I've been listening to real briefly. What have you been listening to? I've been listening to the Dark Tower series on audiobooks. Very cool. It's a story of the gunslinger Roland and his travels through Midworld. Um... To find the elusive Dark Tower and uh, try to, I guess, bring back his world because it's all fucked up at this point. Um, And through his adventures, he pulls 
various characters from various points um, in time. Uh, he's he's joined by a couple characters from from what you would understand is uh, you know I think one character is from the forties, one is from the sixties, and one is from the seventies. Eddie's from like seventies or eighties, yeah, yeah. and uh, they join him on this quest through Midworld, which is um, it, it appears to be a land that has a mix of like medieval and western, and it looks as if nuclear war has happened. You don't really know what. Um, what happened um, as you journey through you kind of find some some different hints about this great war that took place and what possibly could have happened I'm only on the third book it The feels, Wastelands right now it feels like a super far because I've read this entire series and it feels like a super far future where everything is wasteland but there's still remnants of like cities and there's still remnants of like gas like gas pumps and everything, and like subway stations and trains yeah. and and um, it it through as they go through their adventures, they run into things that look like they may have come through a different portal and 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 um, they a plane a, a Nazi plane they encounter oh, yeah, at yeah, some yeah, point, yeah, right. and um, it's it's really interesting kind of trippy stuff. I know that later on in the um, in the series. It references a lot of other of Stephen King's other works. I, from what I understand, Pennywise is referenced oh, it in it at it, some it, point. It, it, it doesn't reference the other work. It's the other works that reference it. Oh, okay. Okay. So, like, stuff in it is from uh, Midworld. Okay. Because there's these outer rings to Midworld where more like different dimensions in this world, but where the, the skin between our world and these other outer rings. Or is really thin, and you can pass over into this place where there's just all these demons, which is where all the monsters from the mist come from. Okay. And stuff like that. So everything's kind of interconnected. And I like all that intricate stuff, which is why I'm a big Stephen King guy. I've and read one it. of the reasons I'm going back and reading all the Stephen King books is because I, I guess last last year, maybe year before, I finished up The Dark Tower. So now I want to go back and read a lot of stuff that I've already read just to see if I can pick up some more of those connections. Now. And, and I've read a couple. I've read Thinner. I think I read It a long time ago. I've read Cujo, Salem's Lot. I've read a handful of Stephen King books. It's been a long time, but I'm a fan of his work. And um, this book, uh, it's pretty good. Uh, it's, I, I'm not reading it per se. I'm listening to it. Uh, but it's it's well acted with the person that is uh, doing the reading, and I am enjoying it a lot. So I would recommend listening to the audiobooks of how, Stephen King's Dark Tower. How many hours is it? Oh, it's a shitload of hours. Um, the one that I'm currently listening to, The Wasteland, is uh, it's in two parts, and I think they're an hour and a half each, somewhere around there. So it's uh, it's a lengthy joint. They're empty books. There's seven of them. So they're pretty. Oh, it's what's far. the it's, uh, okay. This is part two. Um, what's the what? What's the Stephen King novel that's like kind of medieval? Oh, dragon something or the, something the dragon's eye or something? Yeah, like that? the dragon's eye. Yeah, I have it, but I can't think of the name of it. Okay, but that is that's not. Dark Tower connected. Okay. Have you ever read that one? Mm-hmm. Actually, I I way underestimated. It's like like that's an hour, hour, hour. 
And those are all chapters. Yeah, it's 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 uh, very long, wow. but very very enjoyable. Um, I don't think that I would ever be able to read this book if I just sat down and read it. Um, but while I'm in the car or walking the dog or sitting drawing strips, um, I can listen to I can listen to the book and get the same kind of. Yeah. You know the the same experience that I would by reading it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been. That's what I've been letting somebody else read to me. <laughs> Matt, uh, well, I'm kind of like Ian. I haven't really read anything yet, but I thought I could talk about a series that I read recently uh, that DC put out from the New Fifty Two. What? What? You just this isn't your typical style. Oh, because it's like mainstream. Yeah, I was like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. You guys are just Marvel, DC, Marvel, DC. Now that's unfair. It's kind of fair. It's fair for you. <laughs> it's unfair to me. I read a bunch. No, you're of you're a, you branch out a little bit more, but yeah. I push that Marvel stuff because it infuriates me whenever all we hear is DC, DC, DC <laughs> from Captain oh, DC. You guys can here. talk about whatever you want. I know. I feel like I must balance. If other publishers made good books, I would read them. <laughs> I, I feel an obligation to our fans to Ian give a balance. balance to the podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think we all do, actually, because you cover a lot of the indie, Marvel, DC. But the DC book that you're reading, Matt. Uh, well, I, I have read it. Uh, the series is over. It was a five issue mini series, and it was called uh, The Penguin. What was the. Uh, Pain and Prejudice. Now, when Matt was talking about this earlier, he was like, I think I'm going to talk about this Penguin series. And I was like, nobody wants to hear about Penn Sense, buddy. <laughs> uh, the, this series is uh, written by... Actually, I forget what the, the writer's name is. His name was Greg Hurwitz. Uh, Greg Hurwitz... He's supposed to be a pretty good writer. It, it, it was so good. I've heard of him before. It was so well done. Uh, well... The first four issues of this five-issue oh, miniseries man. were so well done. He's not a closer. I I don't know if it was him so much as, like, kind of DC was like, yo, you know, this is going to be a five-issue series. And he, it was like he had to wrap it up sooner than he was ready to. If it would have gone, like, two or three more issues, it would have been all right. But, like, that final issue was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is way too, everything's happening way too fast. That's how, that's how I felt about Star Trek Into Darkness. We can't talk about it. I didn't see it yet. Okay. <laughs> so, um... I don't want it spoiled. <laughs> so Greg Hurwitz uh, captured the, the character of the Penguin so well because this is a bit of an origin story that also takes place, like, in... Like, has a present-day story going on, and it's all from the Penguin's perspective. And you see, like, what a ruthless motherfucker he is. And he used to be, like, this deformed bitch bastard of a kid who was picked on in school and he was not only that but he was hated by his family only his mother loved him like his brothers all kind of treated him like crap and his dad was horrible to him so eventually like he very slyly essentially murders all of his family like one at a time when he's a kid and but he still like held his mother in the highest regard and uh because of all the you know the way he was treated and everything and I think he was naturally kind of an evil prick um, you know leads into him being 
evil as a grown-up and even gets a girlfriend in this. Of course, she's blind, so she can't see how disgusting and ugly he is. So he looks like a penguin in this? He looks like... What? He looks like... he's He looks... This is Danny DeVito's penguin. No. No. It's, but it's not I, animated series. I know it's not that. It's not that, second animated series. He does have, um, he does have like, a penguinish nose. He's not as deformed as Frank from He, he has Sunny. a really big fucking nose in this. Um, See, I don't, I don't and like my penguin deformed. I don't like him with the flipper hands and stuff. I don't think he has it. Does he have that? Mm-mm. But he has a very he long, just has a pointy nose. crinkly nose. Um, I like him from, the, what, right from the, the animated series redesign, when he just, he just looks kind of... Looks just fat. Little fat guy. Um, the art is done by uh, Simon Kurdransky. It's K-U-D-R-A-N-S-K-I. And um, I think we also have to point out the uh, the colorist, John uh, Kaliz, K-A-L-I-S-Z. Um, because the, the art is great, but the coloring has this almost like it's very dark, but at the same time, it has a bit of a glowing kind of quality to it. Um, like, it really plays up, like, the, the lights and the darks really well. And um, it just gives the book this very, I think, ominous tone overall, which is great for this character. And, and even though it's a Penguin book and, you know, you, you would expect to see some Batman in it, very little Batman, but, like, hints, whispers of him almost, like... It's all from the Penguin's so perspective. Like, so like when you listen to Fat Man on Batman, very little Batman. <laughs> um, hey, the Dark Knight. And uh, and Batman is almost like scary too. You know, you have this like character that you know is going to fuck up the Penguin's plans all the time. And um, it, overall, very, very good story. But the ending definitely leaves you kind of disappointed. Um, but this book, this series, um, written by Greg Hurwitz, was the one that landed him the gig on The Dark Knight, which they eventually, I believe, had to remove um, uh, David. Well, David Finch initially started writing that series, but then... But he's more of an artist than a writer. Yeah, and then he... Yeah, I guess he wrote it up until Greg Hurwitz took over, and then he started drawing it for a, a short time, and now... Um, I think Ethan Van Syver is the illustrator is on that really? book now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's, in my opinion, that's the best Batman title. Um, although I am a little behind on regular Batman, but I really enjoy this guy's writing. I don't, I just feel like he, he captures the character's essence really, really well. Especially the Penguin. He made yeah. the Penguin great. Best thing I've ever read about the Penguin. I'm surprised you like this because it looks like uh, Alex Malev's, uh artwork. It it does have a little bit of that quality to it, but I think it's substantially more dynamic. Um, I I feel like Alex Maleev's stuff tends to look like um, like he took a bunch of Polaroids as reference and just kind of like drew over them, like or light box the shit out of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and this I feel like it, it definitely feels like grounded in photographs but at the same time the the shots seem like much more dynamic mm-hmm. uh so it kind of works better would you the, recommend penguin to our loyal listeners i uh, i would uh, just you know prepare yourself for a little bit of a disappointment there at the end but 
Um, it's really not about that. It's just kind of getting a, a feeling for what this character is all about. Because I, I don't feel like there's been many good quality Penguin stories. I think it's probably hard to write a good Penguin story. I Yeah, I would agree. But he did it, uh, for the most part. Um, I, I would be really down seeing a follow-up to this. Um, uh, or, you know, maybe he just needs to incorporate the Penguin as, you know, villain in the Dark Knight book. That might be pretty cool, too. But seeing it from his perspective was pretty fun. So, yeah, I recommend it. I, I give it, I give it a, a thumbs up. Paul. Paul, what you been reading? Looks like you've been reading some, uh, what's that, gr- Green Lantern? Oh. Well, today... Seven ninety nine. Today, I read the $7.99 Green Lantern number 20 special oversized anniversary issue because after nine years on the book, Jeff Johns has finished writing it. He wrapped up his epic storyline that started in Green Lantern Rebirth. You're only saying epic because it tells you to say epic right here on the cover. Well... The whole thing was epic, not particularly this final story about this character called the First Lantern. Who looks surprisingly like the see-through invisible man from your health class. Yeah, he's he's able to control all emotions, and he's able to unmake reality and reshape it the way he wants. And it just seems kind of corny, all the issues leading up to this one. I didn't find very interesting, and I didn't like it. And I didn't really like... I didn't like that part of this one. What I did like about this $8 comic book is that Jeff Johns is wrapping... He he knows this is his last issue. He's wrapping up everything he's done. So you see a lot of things that are from early earlier in the run, going back to Rebirth in 2004. There's a lot of a lot of nods to things. A couple characters make their way back, and it's a lot of the smaller moments that take place during this big fight, and even afterwards in the epilogues, that really made it a good closure point for me on this book. Like if if it was just the big fight, hey, we beat the first lander, we're done, I would have been so fucking mad. But there was a bunch of little stuff in it that gave me the emotional payoff that I was looking for, and I'd be lying if I said. It didn't choke me up twice. <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Did I did I say something that did my look? You were looking. I don't believe you. You were looking. No, I, I know you get a little soft there with uh, with some of the things that you read and see. I do. Really, uh, really good. Really good payoff. It's going to be really weird going into next issue with a totally different writer because it's been Jeff Johns writing in tone this entire time. Yeah, but, I mean, you read other Green Lantern titles that don't have Jeff Johns on them, and you enjoy those. Um, yeah, well, Green Lantern Corps is the one that's been going on just as long as this one, and it's been Peter Tomasi writing it the entire time. And him and Jeff Johns have really been... They've really been partners in this. Jeff Johns gets all the credit for rebooting Hal Jordan and making Green Lantern popular again. And Peter Tomasi's name kind of falls by the wayside, unfortunately, because he's had just as much input on stuff as Jeff Johns has had. They're the stewards of the Green Lantern Who's, who's the new writer going to be? Robert Venditti. And what has Robert Venditti done? Uh, I don't know. Hmm. He did He did something that someone at DC liked enough to put him on Green Lantern after, wow. once Jeff Johns leaves. So, 
there's also Green Lantern New Guardians, and that took me a while to warm up to. And I was still lukewarm on it at this point when it, it also gets a new writer. All the Green Lantern books are getting new writers. Mm-hmm. So nothing n- nothing was quite like Jeff Johns and Peter Tomasi's Green Lantern books from the start. They've been some ups and downs, but they've been consistent the mm-hmm. entire way through. Mm-hmm. And this being the last issue, um, it really wrap, it really bookends Green Lantern Rebirth. So if you want to read the Jeff Johns Green Lantern stuff, now it's all complete. Now you can go out and in a month or so you'll be able to get this trade. You can get the whole whole collection. Start. I think they'll ever make like an all, absolute or something I wanted it like one that. big collection, one book. That's over 100 issues <laughs> of story. <laughs> so uh, that that's what I've been reading. That's what I read today. And uh, I, I I took the time to read it. I made sure I was I had the requisite amount of time by myself to sit down. Very good. Did you put on some slow jams? Did you have put some... on some slow jams? Now, do you guys like to listen to music when you read comics? No, no, I don't. Me either. I like I, silence. Yeah, I get too distracted. I like the real Housewives have, of Orange County blaring in the have background. A t- the TV on, but it's got to be muted. Just I don't know. Just something on doesn't bother yeah. me. Like, with a, with... Sometimes it can almost be too quiet, like too <laughs> silent. Yeah. With a big issue like this one. I, I, I want no interruption. I needed to sit down, front to back, and really absorb this. Turn part. your phone off. Lock Did you read the, the letters pages? Did you read the afterword? I read Jeff John's afterword. I didn't read all the congratulations pages because littered through the book were about seven, seven pages where you know creators just kind of other creators just kind of praise you did Jeff it. John's and his run. Are there like guest pinups things like that? Um, there are, Better I don't know, be for there, $7.99. There, well, there are two. There's a big fold-out from Ivan Rius and Ethan Van Skyver, who are the, who have been the um, artists on this run, yeah. who have really given the most to bringing Hal Jordan back. And the, those are really cool. And all the epilogues are done by a group of different artists. What I was afraid of, because before this book came out, it said, oh, hey, we're going to bring back a lot of artists that worked on Green Lantern. They're all going to be in this book. And I was like, fuck, that's going to be so choppy whenever you're reading this and you have a different artist doing different parts. But Doug Monkey did the whole book, except the epilogues for each character at the end, which were drawn by the different artists. That's a great way to bring them back and pay tribute to the work that they did, but not mess up yeah, without, the without progression the of yeah, how it looks. Yeah, I wish, I wish they would have been able to bring Carlos Pacheco back. He doesn't get mentioned, but he's one of my favorite Green Lantern artists. He did the first... Um, Ethan Van Skyver did Rebirth, and I think um, No Fear was the, the next trade. But then after that, Carlos Pacheco did the next two yeah, trades. Hal Jordan Wanted was the yeah, third and, one. Oh, man, his stuff is so good. Daniel Acuna jumped on for the Star Sapphire trade. He's and then pretty it was good. A, it was a... Um, I think then Ivan Rios jumped on. And he just blew it out of the water. It was some of the best stuff. And he's the guy on Justice League now. I think he's probably the premier artist of DC. Who is? Ivan Rios. Oh, Greg, think, Greg Capullo, I guess. I don't know. I think there's a young man named Jim Lee that might have well, something to say about that. He doesn't count. Yeah, but Jim Lee's not like a regular artist. Jim Lee just does stuff when he feels like I really stuff. like Tony Daniels' stuff on that like two or three issue run of um, Justice League. I thought he did a really um, exemplary yeah, job. Yeah. I, thought, I thought he did, I thought he did a good job, too. So, um, I'd recommend 
I'd recommend getting any of Jeff John's Green Lantern stuff. Any of the books. Really good stuff. That issue looked really good as I was thumbing through it. It it looks... I mean, I was kind of skimming the last pages there with the Sinestro and Hal interaction. You don't mind that I tore out a couple of pages in the back, do you? Nope. I'm probably going to probably gonna read it again and have myself a good cry again. Not really. That was a one-time thing. I, I know what's coming now. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be. You know, hit with that emotional bomb. So that's gonna do it for uh, episode eleven. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday, Happy birthday Paul. Paul. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Signing off, Ian Sharpley, Paul McGinty, Max out. Peace out.